It's our privilege to make these messages available to you. We pray that the Word of God will richly bless you. So let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Isn't that beautiful? Praise God. Well, how many know what we're studying? Does anybody know? Studying the heart. Thank God for heart surgery. Amen. Hallelujah. Proverbs will begin there in chapter 3. Remember our two main scriptures we're using for what we call kind of jump off scriptures. Proverbs 4. Where is it? 420? I think so. Let me find my notes here. I'll tell you, I've never... You that have just started coming the past few months and you see me up here with notes and notebooks, that's a strange thing to this church because I don't preach with notes and notebooks unless God stirs a subject in my heart that I've never really you know, dug into before. And I know anytime God's ever done that in my life, it's for me. So I know that God's doing some changes in my own heart and God's doing some changes in the heart of this church because we can't be the same church we are right now and go to where God wants us to be. That's, that's just, you know, uh, that's just not, and we can't judge these. Say, well, you know, that look like much is going on around here. Well, I don't know if you know it or not. We've got just about the same amount of people that are coming to the early service right now. So if you combine the two crowds, we've got a totally packed house full and we've got to have that new building. If we were to take all the children uh, from both services and put them in the nursery and all the kids that come to, for, to the kids, we wouldn't have any room. And, and def, the, the reason we're having two services is we can't park everybody without really being a hindrance to the, to the, to the people next door. And, and so we want to be good neighbors. Amen. And it's also teaching us some things about ministry and helping, helping us expand. Amen. But anyway, in, in the meantime, we've started this this uh, on the heart. And of course, over in Proverbs 4, it talks about, uh, uh, you know, attending to his word and incline thine ears into his saying, uh, keep them in the midst of your heart. Don't let them depart from your eyes. It's life for you have found it, uh, health to all your flesh. And then one translation actually says, above all, guard your heart. Everybody say, guard your heart. For out of it are the issues of life. And so we went back. We don't, don't want to go uh, reteach everything, but there's so many issues of life that need to find uh, their foundation in the heart. You know, spiritual issues that have to do with the Word of God and faith and all those types of things. I made a statement in the Tuesday class, and I, I think everybody it just shocked them so bad they're still having a hard time trying to get it. I, I made the statement of, of your spirit doesn't believe. And people like looked at me like, oh my God, what's this guy saying? He's done gotten into heresy. And I said it again, you know, your spirit man does not believe. Your spirit man does not believe. Your spirit man knows. How many know you're saved? You don't know that in your head. You don't know that in your heart. You know that in your spirit. Because your heart and your head can't talk you out of it. Amen. Well, feel in my heart, I'm not saved. Well, you probably need to get saved. Because once a person is actually born again and the life of God comes into their spirit. But see now what the heart does is the heart believes. Romans chapter 10. For the heart man believeth. Well, what is the heart? It's a combination of what the spirit is doing on the inside of you as it connects. Everybody say connects. And then from that heart connection, there's a connection to your soul and even to your flesh in which the spirit man on the inside actually gains control and the ascendancy into your heart, I mean into your heart, so that your life is not controlled by emotions or, or feelings or any of those other kind of things. It's controlled by God. And I'm telling you, it's worth the labor to have a life controlled by God. Now, Proverbs chapter 3 and our other jump off scripture, Hebrews chapter 4, where it says the word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, divides, divides us under that which of the, uh, of the spirit and the soul and the moral and the, uh, moral and the bones and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And let me say this because this helps to, help to mention it every time we teach on this is yes, yes, there are times in the word of God when the heart refers to the soul, the mind, the emotions, and will. And there are other times when the heart refers to the spirit, pneuma. Everybody say pneuma. That's the spirit of man. Now, but there are times when the heart is the heart. Everybody say the heart is the heart. Now you say, well, how can you say that? Well, we saw in 1 Thessalonians 5, man is spirit, soul, and body. And then we saw in Hebrews chapter 4 that there's spirit, soul, body, and that the word of God is a discerner and thoughts uh, of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So we see spirit, soul, body, and heart. Amen? Remember us talking about heart being developed between the soul and the flesh? So the athletes get their heart to do what they're doing. But now we're talking about the, the heart that develops between our spirit and our soul. Amen. Now, Proverbs chapter 3, 
Proverbs chapter 3 in your Bibles this morning. Always remember, bring a Bible to church. If you don't have a Bible, go out and buy one. Now, I'd rather you buy one than give you one. You say, why? Because you'll treasure what you have to purchase. Amen. But every Christian should bring a Bible to church, should have a notebook, should have some way of taking notes, because that's when God speaks. When the, when, the, when the Logos of God is speaking, then the Holy Ghost hovers over the crowd and begins to deposit rhema, which is the living word, in your heart and in your spirit. Amen? Well, that's another subject. We'll get on that later. Did you find Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5? Trust in the Lord, there it is again, with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Everybody say, thy paths. That means God's got a path for you. God's got a way for you. But you're going to have to trust. Now, if we were to title today's message in, in Teaching on the Heart, we would title it, Building an Overwhelming Trust in God in Your Heart. Let me try it again. Building an Overwhelming Trust of God in your heart. We could actually say, you know, building an, over, an overcoming, overwhelming faith, whatever it is, building it into your heart that no matter what you face, you realize and recognize, God is my answer. Provision has been made. Faith will release it, and I will get it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, trust. Everybody say trust. Now, trust must be earned. Let me say that again. Trust must be earned. Is Breland in here? Hopefully not. And we'll talk about her. <laughs> she got her license. She turned 16 in January. So she got her license. So there's been a couple of times she's been able to tool around in Mama's Lexus. So we sat her down and we said, now, this is the phase of your driving life in which you are building trust. Amen. So we trust you till you give us a reason not to. So we're going to give you all these rules, all these regulations that you, you know, wherever you go somewhere, you have to text us when you get there. Whenever you leave, you have to text us when you leave. You've got, I mean, I mean, it's like we've got her on a rope, you know. But what's going on? We're building trust. Trust is earned. Now let me say something about God. He has a way of earning your trust that's beyond your imagination. But you've got to be submitted to him to the point that he's able to do it because he does not come into an uninvited heart. Amen. Amen. Who's writing this proverb? David is writing this proverb to his son Solomon. And that word trust, that's a powerful word in the Hebrew. He's saying you can trust, rely on, be confident in the Lord. And God wants you to know you can trust, rely on, and be confident in him. He will never leave you or forsake you. Amen. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Everybody say, with all my heart. Now, this is the key. Lean not unto your own understanding. So if you lean to your own understanding, it's hard to trust the Lord. It's hard to trust the Lord because your own understanding will, will, will violate what God has put into your heart. And you'll side with your soul or your flesh before you'll side with the word of God. You'll see that a little clearer in a moment as we teach this. Then in all thy ways acknowledge him. So if there are any ways in your life that you cannot acknowledge God in, you got to get those ways out of your life. In every way, I can acknowledge God. In my ministry, I acknowledge God. In my marriage, I acknowledge God. In, in parenting Breland, I acknowledge God. In, in pastoring Island Church, I acknowledge God. In, in being out on the field when I travel, I acknowledge God. Uh, in my relationships, I acknowledge God. In my hobbies, I acknowledge God. In everything I do, I do as unto the Lord, and I acknowledge God in what I do. Got quiet in here. You must learn to acknowledge God in all that you do. And then it says, then he will what? He will guide. He will direct. He will be the one saying, this is the way. Walk in it. He will give you direction. He will give you a destination. And he'll give you a way to get there. Not only that, he'll give you a vehicle called faith to get there in. And he'll fuel it with a redemption. And then he'll give you a supercharger called the Holy Ghost. That'll help you accelerate towards your destiny. <laughs> I better watch out. Go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 29. Another familiar portion of scripture. And if you will, put Jeremiah 29 up on the screen in the Amplified. 
Not in the King James, but in the Amplified. I want you to see something in the Amplified. Uh, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. So who's saying this? God is saying this to you. I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Now, <laughs> there's a lot of people, bless their hearts, you know, people that are religious, denominational people, you know, they think every bad thing that ever happens in their life, God's putting it on them trying to teach some kind of le- lesson. So they see God as sitting around trying to think up some way to hurt them. I've actually had people say, well, I don't want to get anywhere near God. I mean, you get around God, he's going to mess you up somehow. He's going to mess you up some. I mean, I, 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 was, I, was, I remembered a prayer line. I don't even remember where I was preaching at, but there was a long prayer line of, of people up there. Uh, uh, I'll tell you what it was. It was in, it was in uh, Danny Green's church in, in, in College Station. And they, they were up there, and they were believing God for their loved ones. And I remember coming up to this, this one lady, and she was just exasperated. And she said this. She was talking about her son. She said, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, I tell you, I'm believing God to put him flat on his back in a hospital. God will wake him up then. And I looked at her and I said, well, the Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads him to repentance. Why don't we just believe God will bless him and bless him and bless him and bless him and bless him to the point where he knows it's God and he'll have to turn his life over to the Lord. God's not thinking evil thoughts. Well, look at the scripture. I know the thoughts that I have toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace. Everybody say peace. That's the word shalom. Go study the word shalom. It'll blow your mind what that word means. Uh, the, the Thoughts of peace. Not of evil to give you an expected end. Not of thought. He's not thinking about how to hurt you or harm you in any way. That's your adversary. The devil is trying to think about how to steal, kill, and destroy from your life. God's thinking about how to bless you, how to increase you, how to get money to you, how to get health to your body, how to get peace to your marriage, how to get destiny in your life. He's thinking about all the good. He's just sitting up there thinking about it. Amen. Now, do you have that up there in that? Amplified. For I know the thoughts that I have, thoughts and plans. Everybody say thoughts and plans. Thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans for welfare and peace. That's not social welfare. Not to put you on welfare. That's for your welfare. So that you will be well, so that you will fare well. Are you with me? And not for evil, to give you hope in your final outcome. Now, that's literally an expectancy in that which God is going to do. That when you look down the, the, the corridor of time, you don't see yourself destroyed. You don't see yourself broke. You don't see yourself sick. You don't see yourself all messed up. You see God coming in, intervening, and doing all that he needs to do to make your life what it's supposed to be. I'm working on an article right now, and I've got a couple of phone calls to make before I actually finish it. And it's about an experience that I had a, 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 a actually last year in which I went to two ranches and, and hunted and killed two incredible deer. One I killed on a Saturday morning and the other on a Sunday afternoon. So the title of it is A Weekend in Heaven in South Texas. Amen. And, and, and when I realized and recognized, began to see how, you know, I commit all my ways to the Lord, everything I do. At the end of this weekend, I was sitting there with a ranch foreman at one of the ranch, and he and I was talking, and he was the one that was with me on the, on the last hunt, on the Sunday evening hunt, and the sun was setting, and it was so beautiful. And we had this beautiful buck on the ground, and we just sat there, and we just looked at each other and said, this would make a great story. And he said it would. You couldn't have scripted it any better. Right as the sun faded, we'd watch deer all afternoon. Right as, here this buck shows himself. He's old, he's gray, he's walking through the brush. You can tell he's had it. He's ready to go on pastor's wall. Amen. See, God will bless your life. He'll give you, sure, heaven is a destination, but God will give you some of heaven to live in heaven, to, some of heaven to live here on earth in. Come on. Now notice, it says, uh, for I know the thoughts, I like to amplify, thoughts and plans, thoughts and plans. I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts and plans, thoughts and plans, to farewell and peace, not for evil, to give you hope in your final outcome. Now notice the word plans. Lee and I, uh, was it last week, sweetie, we were at the, uh, the architects, you know, they're working on all of the plans for the church. I think they said it's now 200 pages, the uh, P-E, what would they call it? The, the, the power P-A-M, power, uh, air-conditioned, mechanical. 
And so you, you go in and, and, and where these architects works, there's this, there's this wall and they've got all these plans, you know, for all the projects they're doing, all the architectural work that they're doing. And so when we come, they have our plan out and they have it on the, bill, on, on, on the table there so they can show us what's going on. But I want you to know, in heaven, there's a big old wall with all these plans. And one of them has your name on it. And God so desires to go over to that wall and pull your plans off and put it down on the table and open them up and begin to initiate the implementation of his plan in your life. You say, how can I get that going? Next scripture. Next scripture. It says, then shall ye call upon me. You shall go and pray unto me. I will hearken unto you. And ye, and ye shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So when you begin to search for God with all of your heart, he goes and gets your plans out. <laughs> oh, somebody ought to get excited about that. I mean, I don't know how close Lee and I have come over the last 30, going on 31 years of marriage to his plan. But when we look around our life, we think, oh my God, it's just that uh, we get together. There's times that we pray together and we look around and we just spend time worshiping God. And we look around and we think, well, this is the plan of God. And this is the plan of God. And this is the plan. And then there's places we've been in the world and, and things we've done. And this is the plan of God. This is the plan. This is the plan. This is so awesome, God. How did you ever come up with all this good stuff? He said, I'm not experiencing that. Well, you're going to have to seek him with all your heart. So that's what we're doing. We're talking about developing a heart for God, something in you that cannot be shaken, something that cannot be, cannot be removed, and that from that heart you serve God with a heart of total submission toward him because you know God's got stuff for me that will blow my mind. And that's not just material things. That's experiences. That's all kinds of things that God has that once you get involved in it, it, you're just, it just blows you away. And the problem, you know, and let me just say this. The problem with a lot of Christians, because a lot of Christians get a little taste of that, and that's enough to keep them in church for their whole life. They just get one bite of it. Oh, you know, one taste of it. God does something, and then they come to church, but they never really enter into the full measure. Everybody say the full measure. And what God's wanting us to do as a people is to enter into the full measure of his plan for our life so that he can gl be glorified in our midst. So, uh, you know, in, in doing all of this and writing all these notes and studying and looking at all these definitions, number one, here's the question. Where is your heart today? Now, it takes an examination of your heart, a self-examination, and, listen to me, permission for God to examine it. Now listen, the Lord began to deal with Lee and I, actually began to deal with me, and I didn't even say anything to Leah for about two years, maybe three years, about leaving our field ministry and starting Island Church. I'm going to tell you why. It was not in my heart to do it. Now, in those five years, our ministry exploded. It would have been really much easier to make the transition if it wouldn't have exploded, if we wouldn't have had some of the success that we had. I mean, uh, by, by the time we made the decision, okay, we're going to pull the plug on this and obey God. I mean, uh, we were, uh, the, the world was open, all kinds of nations, churches all over the United States we could go to, all of that kind of stuff, and we just had to obey God. But God had to change our heart. And that began, began with me, everybody say me. Man, that's why you're so important, especially if you're, you're, you're in a marriage. You say, why? Because you're the one who God is going to work through. And you're the one that has to examine the motives of what you guys are doing. And I begin to examine the motives of, of why I'm doing this and, and why I'm doing that and, and why I'm doing this and why we need a building and why we want an airplane and why we want this and why we want that. And I begin to examine those motives. And I, as I begin to pray, God began to touch me. And God said, I want you to open your heart up to me. And I opened my heart unto the Lord. And the first thing he did was to reveal unto me a place in my heart where I was not willing. Woohoo! Your faces are preaching. <laughs> Amen. I mean, that can come in many levels. Tithing, giving, prayer, the word, church. There's all kinds of levels. You know, you say, well, why is there so, so many people that come on Sunday and then uh, on Wednesday, it would just kind of seem to have half the crowd. It's not in their hearts. 
If it's not in your heart to be in church on Wednesday, you ain't coming, honey. And there ain't nothing I can do to change it. I can get up and say, we're raising the dead on Wednesday. We're healing the sick on Wednesday. Gold coins are falling out of the ceiling on Wednesday. You'll find something else to do. You say, well, it's not in your heart. You say, well, you know, I, 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 I really don't pray, and I really don't study the Bible, and I really don't do it. It's not in your heart. And if you want that to change, you're going to have to give God some access. And what God will do is he will go in and he'll shine a light on the dark places. Because it's the dark places of your heart. Because out of your heart comes your actions and your activity. And it's out of the dark places of your heart that negative actions produce brokenheartedness. There must be a location. You must locate your heart. Where's your heart at? What are you feeding your heart? Now, this is, when I begin to look at this, this is, you know, there are, there are, in the natural, there are things you can feed your heart that will keep your heart healthy. I mean, want a healthy natural heart. God said, with long life, I'll satisfy you and show you my salvation. But if you eat wrong and you, and you put, you know, uh, uh, garbage in you and smoke, all kinds of nasty things that, are, that, that they told us are bad for your, then, then why do you wonder if something happens to your heart? Why do you wonder? Because you weren't feeding yourself the right thing. So you have to begin to ask yourself, what is the appetite of my heart? That, now we're talking about spiritual. What is, do, you have a heart, do, you, do you have a heart for God? Do you have a heart for prayer? I'll put this in there and maybe a little rabbit trouble we'll touch on. Do you have a heart for witnessing? Amen. See, many times when we engage in spiritual conversations, we argue, but we're not called to be lawyers. You might be called to be a lawyer in the natural, but you're not called to be a lawyer in the spirit. You're not called to argue for Jesus. Listen, the word stands on its own merit. The word stands on its own merit. Uh, we're not called to be judges, which is to render decisions. We're called to be witnesses, which is evidence producers. Do you have a heart to witness, to be a witness? Amen. Do you have a heart for the loss? Do you have a heart for, for forgiveness? Do you have a heart for submission? Do you have a heart for giving? Do you have a heart for missions? Do you have a heart for the church? So you could feed your natural heart all kinds of junk food, and what's it, what's it going to do? It's going to cause all kinds of problems. So you must judge things by what it produces. The Bible talks about in the communion ordinance, we should judge ourselves, lest we be judge of God. And so you see production of things in your life. If you see productions of strife, if you see productions of jealousy and envy, if you see productions of things that are negative, if you see productions of hurt and pain, then you've got to go in and do an, aura, an inventory and say, where is this coming from? If something's hurting you, don't you know want to know where it's coming from? Amen. I did something to Alan one time. I was mean, but that's the way I am. You're on a missions trip in Nicaragua. So I'm always playing jokes on people. So I found a big old rock and put it under his mattress in his bed. And so when I got up the mor that morning, he was sleeping with his head on the bed and he was on the floor like this. <laughs> I said, how was your sleep last night? He says, these missionaries have the worst beds I've ever slept in in my life. I'll tell you, they're just a piece of junk. I'll tell you, we need to believe God buy them some new beds. Right? And so I just finally had to confess and ask forgiveness and all that kind of stuff, you know. But the problem was there was a source. There was a reason for the uncomfortable. There's a rock in the bed. Let me say something. There's a reason why things are the way they are. And you have to trace it back to its origin. And if you've got something messed up in your heart, that is the origin. And it comes from feeding yourself the wrong thing. Therefore, you're having a heart issue, a heart problem. Woo! You have to judge things by... And listen, if you were eating foods that every day, you say, I ain't got no energy. You know, I mean, I, I think I've got a good diet. I eat three Milky Ways for breakfast in the morning. At lunch, you know, I have a malt and I eat four cinnamon rolls. And then for dinner, I really eat healthy. Uh, you know, uh, for dinner, I eat a whole chocolate cake. And I don't know why I feel so bad. I don't, want, I don't know why I have so many cavities when I go to the dentist. Well, you got to trace it back to its origin. Amen? Let me just say, this. what we're teaching on demands involvement, 
And, and a lot of people are unwilling to, to, how can I say this, to connect or to involve themselves in the things of the Spirit that is really going to benefit them. Listen, when I came to the Lord, I was a mess. My heart was messed up. My mind was messed up. The only thing good about me is I'd come back to the Lord and my spirit got re-energized. And God went immediately to work on me with some heart surgery. And then he has continued that until this day. Sifting my heart, going through my heart, showing me in my heart what is wrong, what is right, what is good, what is bad, and why I am producing what I'm producing or why I'm not producing what I desire to produce. Issues of the heart, amen? There are foods in the natural that can change your heart. We have a man in the church here that had basically had a heart attack, and he changed his diet, went back to the doctor, and the doctor said, I don't know what you've done, but, well, he changed his diet. There are foods that are heart healthy. There are foods that are dis- disrupt your, will disrupt your, your, uh, your heart, your, your whole physiological system. There is activity that is good for the heart, and there is activity that is destructive. That means, you know, you ought to get out and walk a little bit if you're not walking. If you're doing a little walking, then you might try to run. If you're doing a little running, then you might try to exercise. But there are things that are really good for your heart if you'll just do it. Amen. So we're going to look at just for a few minutes, what is feeding your heart? Now, your heart is fed from two areas. It's fed from the spirit realm or it's fed from the soul. Now, we know our soul is our mind, our emotions, and our will. Now, when I begin to study this in the Word, and I can go back into Scripture, especially the Old Testament, and we can see all kinds of examples of men and women that fed their heart from their soul and it got messed up. One guy, was, his name was Gehazi. His heart got messed up, and he chased after a chariot, ended up telling a big old lie and getting a bunch of stuff, and less, leprosy remains in his family to this day. Samuel was a prophet, uh, but the prophet that was before him, Eli, the guy before him, uh, his heart wasn't right, because the first place that your messed up heart will show up many times is in your children. When you try to hide your heart, you can't hide it from your kids. And they can be little bitty, little bitty. And you wonder, what's wrong with them? So, number one, emotions. Everybody say your emotions. Your emotions have roots in the Adamic nature. You say, what is the Adamic nature? The nature that is in you when you're born onto the planet, it's, it's human. The Bible says that type of wisdom is earthly, it's sensual, and it's devilish. Amen? Now, you've got to understand, church, and I know most churches ain't going to say this, but I say this plainly and openly. You have either one of two fathers. Either your father, and I'm talking about spiritually, your father is either, either God, Elohim, Almighty God, or your father's the devil. Amen. If you're born again, your father's God. If you're not born again, your father's the devil. You say, you're telling me if I'm not born again, my father, that's, that's just the most ludicrous thing I've ever... Study the Bible. Study the Word. The Word shows you who God is. The Word shows you who you are. Your emotions has its root in the Adamic nature. Fear, anger, rejection, all these emotions. Emotions bring with them feelings. What is anger? A sudden rush of emotion. Many times your mind is not even connected to it or you wouldn't have done or said what you said when you got so mad. You ever heard it says you just got a hot temper, got a, got a hair trigger temper? Well, that's all has its roots in the Adamic nature. They have their roots in the Adamic nature. Anger, rejection, intimidation, loneliness, all these things. They are conditional realities developed in us from the time we're born. From the time we're born. If he, now listen to this. Ooh, this is one of those ones where I like Jeremiah said, don't be afraid of their faces. If emotions feed your heart, it is highly likely you're going to be fed a lie. But I don't feel like they like me. I don't feel like they, I don't feel like they, I, I feel like they hate me. I feel, I feel like nobody loves me. I feel, that, see, your, your emotions will feed you a lie. I feel like this. I feel like that. I feel, your emotions, listen, will rob you of your joy, rob you of your peace, and create a reality in your heart that is not true. And the problem with protected lives 
lies, protected lies, when perceived as truth, pride rises up and stands as a sentry over those lies and people become stubborn in their lives. I know they don't like me. I know what this person's done. I know. And next thing you know, you're feeding that garbage into your heart. And then what are the results? Is this okay? Do we need to go home now? I'm telling you, God's changing the heart of our church. Intellect. The carnal mind is at enmity with God. We stimulate our intellect. We educate our intellect. We figure, we want, we explain, all of these things. And when the mind feeds the heart, it creates more questions than answers. All people that allow their intellect to feed their heart will make decisions only if it makes sense. And faith does not make sense. It does not make sense to give 10% of your income into the church and expect God to bless you. It does not make sense to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. It does not make sense to put your hands up and let your spirit man speak in a language. It does not make sense. But if the intellect feeds your heart, your heart will close down to spiritual things because you are leaning on your understanding. And what does the word we just read in Proverbs 3? Lean not on your own understanding. Mm-mm-mm. It always makes faith a difficult choice. Now, what's your soul made up? Mind, emotions, your will. Your will. Feeding, your, feeding your heart with your will. Choice. Your will is your choice. When your choices control your heart, instead of your heart controlling your choices, you will always choose by what you feel or think. Quiet in here. You see, that's a lot of stuff to digest. Get the CD. You need to hear this over and over. You will always choose. What will you choose? Your will will literally be controlled by what you feel and what you think. And your heart being controlled by what you feel or think by choices will always cause you to make the wrong choice. That's why so many people end up brokenhearted. Well, I thought... Well, I felt. Well, I thought. Well, I felt. Well, you'll find out in the spirit realm, there's not a whole lot of relevance to thinking and feeling. Well, I felt like I was healed. I didn't feel anything. But the spirit over here is up there saying, yay and amen. The spirit over here is saying, I know I'm healed. The spirit saying, I know I'm saved. I know I'm empowered. I know God has a plan for me. I know I'm loved by my heavenly father. And if your heart is betraying that, then the reality of what the word says into your spirit man, amen, is not going to be able to get through. And you're going to be controlled by your thinking, what you're thinking. And you're going to be controlled by how you feel. And let me just say something about feelings. Feelings and emotions, they, they have a physical, a physical element to them. And I'm going to tell you something. Devil knows how to produce a feeling for you. Brother, he can produce a feeling for you. I'm telling you, for whatever area of your heart that he wants to violate, rejection, fear, hate, uh, you name it, intimidate, you name it, he will come up with a feeling for you and you will feel that. And think that's reality. And it ain't. It's not reality. What is reality? What God says. You can feel, I feel like I'm broke. I feel like I'm going broke. But the Bible says, my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ. I, I feel like I've got cancer. I feel like I've got, I've got leukemia. I've got arthritis. I've got diabetes. I feel like I've got, I've got it all. No, no, no. By his stripes, I'm healed. You see what I'm saying? You hear people, choice-based, whose choice has developed their heart. You know, I don't want to come to every service. That's a choice. I don't want to give. That's a choice. I don't want to read the Word. That's a choice. I don't want to pray. That's a choice. The problem with choices, now this is, you've got to, if you don't get nothing, get this. The problem with choices is you have to live by them. You wear them. They're yours. 
Some muffled amens on that one. You're here by choice. What you do next after the service, you'll do by choice. What you do this evening, you'll do by choice. Everything you do, you do by choice. And when your choices are coming from a messed up heart that is not secure in the things of God, then your broken hearted life, that's why you need Jesus so much is to come into your heart and begin to put back together that which is necessary so that you're not living by your choices any longer. You're living, you're living by the Word of God and you allow your, the Word of God to make your choice for you. Hoo-wee. Notice how quickly negative choices affect your life. I mean, if you were to choose, I'm just going to leave here and go get drunk as a dog. I'm telling you, I'm going to get drunk. I'm going to drink five bottles of Did you know that choice will show up real quick in a negative way. Mm -mm -mm. Notice how quickly negative choices affect your life and have a bad and having a bad life is having a broken hearted life. Let me just say this. I didn't get this out of nobody's book. This is coming through being on my knees, praying to the Holy Ghost and getting up and getting into the Bible and God, the Holy Ghost has given me this. The word is the truth about God and about us and about evil and its effect. The Word feeds the heart truth from the spirit side. The truth side. Your spirit is where God is. And God has a diet for your heart that can heal every hurt. I don't care if you're 110 years old and you've had 110 years of heartache and tragedy. God can feed you a diet that will quickly heal 110 years of heartache and tragedy. That's how good God is and that's how miraculous He is. Oh, my goodness. To begin to develop a healthy heart, we must feed it from the God side. So we will not be controlled by our emotions, by our mind, or by our choices. All life changes begin with a heart change. Now people say, I'm going to go on a diet lose some weight. So what you're really saying is I'm going to eat bad food that I don't like and trust that bad food is going to make a change in my life. <laughs> Amen. It ain't going to happen. You're going to eat bad food and you're going to lose a little weight. And then when you get to your goal, you're going to reward yourself with a whole bunch of food that brings you right back to where you were when you started. You want to lose, lose weight? You need a heart change. I'm going to quit smoking. But you've been smoking four packs a day. Now, God can supernaturally deliver people. I know that. But I'm talking about a change of heart. So what you really need is not a patch on your arm. You need a change of heart. All of these issues, diet, smoking, drinking, drugs, anger, addiction, marriage problems, ministry problems, job problems, business problems, anywhere there needs to be a change, it begins to be a change in you. And the problem is, we spend too much time judging other people and saying, they're the ones that need the change of heart. And we live as a victim of what everybody else is doing to us, making judgments about them instead of judging our own heart. Heart change. Change words, change attitude, change desire. Change you will see things different. You will hear things di- different. You'll have a changed passion. And all of this, you will find a new source of strength from a spirit-empowered heart. I watched men of God who got into their 70s, mid-70s, and late 70s, and God would give them the greatest assignment of their ministry. And their hearts were so strong. My favorite example was Dr. Lester Summerall, 75 years old. God said, I'm going to give you the largest branch of the tree of your ministry, the end time G, uh, Joseph program, which fed, he said there are Christians all over the world that pray, uh, 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 give us this day our daily bread and have no bread. He said, I want you to feed them all, all of them, feed them all. That took ships, that took planes, that took millions and millions of dollars and thousands of people to do. And Brother Summerall said, he's praying in Jerusalem. Had all Fackman and Rod Parsley with him. He said, he said, give it to one of these young men. And God said, it's taken me 75 years to get you to the place where I can speak this into your heart 
and you'll obey it. And when Brother Summerall went home to be with the Lord, he was flying home from a friend of mine's church. He had his own jet. He was flying home from a friend of mine's church. He had a secretary that traveled with him, another, another man that traveled with him. He called him over, and, he, and every time he'd call him over, this man would get his notebook and, and, a, and a pen and everything because Brother Summerall was fixing to dictate something to him. He went over there, and he sat down. What was his name? I, 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 rem- I could see his face, but I can't remember his name. And he, and he said this. He said he looked up at him, and he said, it's done. He said, he was talking about the, he thought he was talking about the trip there. He said, no, it's done. I'm finished. He said, what are you saying, Brother Summer? He said, it's done. I'm finished. I'm going home. And he thought, well, we're flying back to South Bend. He said, no, you don't understand. I'm done. I'm finished. I'm going home. And he went home. And by the time the jet landed, his, his entire physical system had shut down. And in three days, he was in heaven. You say, what did he do? God said, come home. So he disconnected his heart from the earth and had connected it to heaven. Heart change. Everybody say heart change. Our heart toward God. Why do we serve God? We serve God because of one of two reasons. A burning house or a burning heart. A burning house is need-based, self-centered, and the fire of a burning house is easily extinguished when the need is met. A burning heart, the fire intensifies. Needs come and go, it doesn't matter. Your heart is for him, your desire is of him, your purpose is to please him. My purpose is not to pastor Island Church, make you happy. My purpose is to please him. So I do, I get on my knees and I pray and I find out from the Father what pleases him. And he's the one that sends it back to me and says, now if you will do this from your heart, it will please me. That's the purpose of all of our lives is to please the Father. If that takes you into ministry, praise God. If that takes you into great riches, praise God. But don't hold anything back from God. There are so many people with so much talent and so much ability, and they can do so many things in the body of Christ, and they sit down on God because they just don't have the heart either to do it anymore because their heart was violated or to do it the first time because there's a fear in their heart that they'll fail. Mm-mm-mm. Burning house, no discipline. No accountability, no true joy. You have happiness, which is seasonal. It comes, it goes. You know, you get what you want, you're happy. You don't get what you want, Uh, you're not happy. Kind of like we were when we wore diapers. No purpose, just wandering around. No passion, no vision, no submission. Your desire, now listen to this. Your desire for God is to do his part without you changing. No change in your heart, but God needs to do his part. Your vision of an answer is to return back to the place you were before you had the problem, not knowing that the place that you were is the reason you had the problem. So more than God wants to change the circumstance, he wants to change you so you can change the circumstance and have a true heart change. Mm -mm -mm. I'll close with this. Oh, my time's up. A burning heart is structured, disciplined, has vision and passion, which produces compassion. Now, let me say something. Because, you know, there's people that, there, there's people that go, they go to churches, they say things like, oh, in this church, oh, they just feel the love. Well, that's, that's emotional. I can show you love. Did you see all those people that came up that picture Mission Sunday that we give hundreds of thousands of dollars to? That's love manifested through compassion. Love is not what you feel. Love is what you do. And the devil can, can produce all kinds of feelings. But that's not necessarily the love of God. What was the love of God? Was it a feeling? No, it was God in Christ, hanging on a cross, suffering and dying for us and raising from the dead. Not because he needed to do it for himself. He needed to do it for you because love compelled him because he carried the heart of the Father. Uh, better be careful. I'll start preaching on that. It's not Easter yet. A burning heart has structure, has discipline, has vision and passion, produces compassion, integrity, accountability, selflessness, generosity, the joy, all of the fruits of the Spirit, 
qualified for all the gifts of the Spirit, endurance with cheerfulness, which is his patience, and self-control. Now look, that'll happen overnight. I've been on that journey for 33 years, coming up next month. But I can say one thing. There is a distance between where I started and where I am. Now let me say that again. There is a distance between where I started and where I am. And there were times it felt like I was flying down the highway. And there are other times it felt like I was walking in mud. But I've always put forth the effort to allow God to examine and change my heart. You say, why? Because I don't want to live because of a burning house. I want a burning heart. I want a heart for God. I want a heart for the Word. I want a heart for prayer. I want a heart for the church. I want a heart for nations. I mean, I, I had such a heart for the nation of Ireland. What, what, how many times did I go? Just 38 times in like 10 years. That's almost four times a year. And I would go and do 20 meetings at a time and 15 meetings at a time and 18 meetings at a time. And I would go, and it was at a time in which there was great, they called it the Troubles. The IRA was just going crazy and all kinds of crazy. And we would go and preach. And these precious, precious people that had been bound by religion their whole life were getting set free. It was one of the most amazing. And it wasn't this mass, you know, a thousand people, 10,000. But every little meeting, there'd be, you know, there'd be 10 people saved. There'd be five people saved. There'd be, and man, when they got saved, oh, the glory of that, those salvations. It was so awe-inspiring. And then, and then the healings and the miracles and the little churches would start and the, and the hearts would turn toward God. And many of their families rejected them. And many of their families just said, we, we, we're burying you. We have nothing to do. You're not of our religion anymore. We're taking you out of our heart. But their heart had turned toward God. Now many of their families serve God. Amen. And I went back three years ago. You and, uh, you and I and the entourage went. And, 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 and I went and we had a great meeting and everything. And, and I came home. I, you know, well, praise God, God opened the, But then here lately in the past, actually the past two months, God has been stirring my heart. Stirring my heart. Stir so in April, I'm going back. You say, well, my heart is stirred. A heart of compassion. Is it convenient? No. Could you be doing something else? There's lots going on in the church that I need to be involved with. Lots going on in the ministerial fellowship that I'm in. Lots going on everywhere. At my home. Lots going on. But God says, no, no, no. Now it's time to go back and begin to stir the hearts of others because I'm stirring your heart. So obedience comes out of a right heart toward God. And the Bible says, and then my last closing, if you're willing and obedient you shall eat the fat of the lamb. And most of the time when God is dealing with your heart, he's dealing with an area of willingness. There's people that are bitter. They're just not willing to get healed of their bitterness. There are people that have hate in them. They're just not willing to let it go. There are people that are highly offended. They're just not willing to let it go. But anything that hurts your heart and you know that it hurts your heart and you leave it there, you should not expect not to have a crisis. But anything that you will open your heart up to and make adjustments with and for, God will come into your heart and He's the master surgeon. And He's not just going to put a band-aid. You ever, uh, with, with Breland... I guess she was little when we put the first Band-Aid on her. And the, and the little sore kind of welded to the, to the uh, fabric of the Band-Aid. And when we pulled it off, mm -mm. and ever since then, you do, if she gets a Band-Aid on, you don't touch that Band-Aid. You say, why? Because that Band-Aid became a place of trauma and a place in which she does not want anybody to touch it. And that's the only thing we can do with our heart is put band-aids on them. And when it get, gets ripped off again by the same old weakness, the same old problem, the same old choice, then there's that place in us that we don't want anybody touching. We don't want anybody messing with it because it reminds us of the trauma of the original wound. And the Bible says of the love of God, it is not touchy, fretful, or resentful.
So you've got to make a decision. Lord, we sang that, sing that song, I Give You My Heart. I think when did we sing it? Wednesday night? Lord, I give you my heart. You've got to make that real. You have to have a clarion moment in your mind where you go to your house, you get in your, you take the cell phone, you put it away, you cut off the TV, you put a not home sign on, and you get on your knees and you say, Father, I have some heart issues that I really need to be healed. And you will find him to be the master bypass surgeon. And he will go in. You ever know, you ever study what bypass surgery is? You got a bad place in a vein and a master surgeon will go in and he'll cut into the good place here and the good place here and he'll pull that bad vein out and he'll find another good vein and he'll sew it in and the blood flow gets restored. Oh, I could teach on the blood flow. When the blood flow gets restored. You say, what do you mean? The blood of Jesus. When the flow of that blood gets restored into your life, your heart is fixing to be strengthened. Your heart is fixing to be, have courage. Your heart is fixing to get what it needs to help you to change all of the negative things that you're doing to yourself in your life and bring the glory of God into your life and situation. Does that help you today? I know that's a lot of information to put on somebody. But if you can't sense the presence and anointing of the Spirit of God dealing with your heart, then, then get saved. Amen? Believe in your heart. God's dealing with our hearts as a people for a purpose. That's because there are so many hurting hearts outside the walls of Island Church that need to be reached. Lift your hands and worship God. Brother Frank, go to the keyboard real quick. Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.